Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today we are celebrating 18 years as a church, and so this is our anniversary Sunday. And so, uh, yeah, praise God for that. Uh, We're in a series entitled, It Ain't Working. And uh, what we've been talking about are some of the foundational issues that we have in areas of our lives. And, and uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, I got to share on masculinity. And I'm just so proud of our men because they have stepped up. And we have over 190 men that are meeting every, sun, uh, I'm sorry, every Monday night going through Better Man right now to learn biblical masculinity. And so that's been amazing. And then two weeks ago... Uh, Pastor Tim got up and he talked about marriage, how if it's not built on Christ and Christ alone, how we get so far off track and it it doesn't work at all. And I don't know about you, but I I agree completely with Pastor Miguel. Uh, The the challenge that he gave us in that week when it came to our marriage was looking at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about uh, what love is and how does that, how, how does that playing out in your marriage And man, I have thought through that several times over the last couple of weeks, and I have to tell you, I have a lot of work to do when it comes to my relationship with my wife and uh, and fulfilling those, uh, those things that we see that love is and what love isn't within the marriage context. And so I hope that's challenging to you as well. I hope you're continuing to process that and put your foundation in Christ. Last week, Pastor Miguel got up here. It was great having him up here for the very first time. Uh, Pastor Miguel shared with us this idea of it ain't working when he was talking about the unity in the global church and how we need to cross those lines that, that Christ came for all nations, all tongues, and we want to see more unity. That's what he died for, and we want to see that not just in the global church, but we want to see it here in this church as well. And so today, I get to share with you this idea of it ain't working. I want to share um, kind of where I'm going today. Uh, My point today is this. It ain't working when we're only halfway committed. Um, The illustration that Jared used at the beginning of worship, I love that illustration of the pool and all the different people around the pool. And I think for so many people, when it comes to their faith, when it comes to the church, the church body, being connected and engaged. Uh, so many of us, we're those people standing on the side. We're being skeptical or we're the ones over there dipping our toes in. We're not really committed. And I, I'm going to tell you up front today as we go through some of this, I want you to know if that's the case, it's not going to work. It ain't working when we're only half committed. Uh, today, like I said, we're celebrating 18 years of God's faithfulness, his provision, his, his blessing. It's been amazing to me. There are so many seasons of life over the last 18 years. And I, I keep saying 18 years, and every time I say it, I just want you guys to know this. I go, oh my goodness, I'm old. <laughs> like, it just hurts. I can't believe it's been 18 years. Like, it doesn't feel like that to me. I remember hearing old people say that when I was younger too, Uh, but man, it just seems so crazy to me that clear back in 2005 when we got together for the very first few times, uh, we met in my basement and we outgrew our basement pretty quickly and then we ended up meeting in a a community room at the bank there. We rented that for, for several months leading up to the launch of the church and we began to dream about what God was doing, what he was placing on our hearts and the vision and the mission that he had for this church and some things just kind of surfaced right away and 
they became uh, the DNA for Mountain View Fellowship. And let me just share a few of those things with you. First one is, it's going to be all about the loss. Like this church was never going to be about Christians. It was never going to be about you and me. We weren't going to circle the wagons and turn inward. We were always going to be about winning the next soul to Jesus Christ. That was going to drive everything here at the church because that's the heart of God is to reach those that are far from him. We said we wanted a church where everyone was welcome. We were going to love people one person at a time where Jesus was going to be the center of everything. And I wish I could remember who it was on the launch team that, that coined this phrase, but they said it one time, and then it's been repeated over and over again for 18 years. But they said, a church that only God holds the reins to. And they must have been a horse person, right? But uh, I love the imagery there. It's the idea that Christ is the one directing this. Like God is the one that, that is driving this church where he wants it to go. We said we were going to be a church about the next generation. That uh, no longer, as you read through scripture, you see where it says, and then came a generation that did not know God. And we said that's not going to happen on our watch. We're going to make sure that we're reaching the next generation because that is our greatest resource. resource. It's our greatest asset, and we need to pass it along to them. And one of the other things that we said, and ladies, don't take offense to this. This didn't exclude you. We just said we were going to be a church that was serious about reaching men. We We didn't want men feeling like they had to turn their man card in when they walked into church. And after 18 years, I'm seeing the fruit of that. It's, it's coming to fruition. We're seeing men stepping up and leading their families spiritually and, and emotionally and mentally. And, and I just love what God has been doing here, especially uh, just recently in our men. But we said we wanted to be a, a church that was going to bring men back in because we saw men vacating the churches, all not just here, but across the globe. Um, many women were in the church and then the guys were just disappearing. And we said, that's not going to happen here at Mountain View Fellowship. And so after all these meetings, we continue to dream about it. We got together and we launched the church on October 2nd, 2005. And I remember uh, we, we got together this morning for prayer with all the volunteers that were here early. And I told them, 18 years ago when we did that, we all gathered up, our launch team got together, we set everything up, and we got here early because we were worried about it. We set everything up, and uh, we were at the Strasburg Elementary School, and we were meeting in the cafeteria, and as you can see, uh, it, it was lights, everything. It was just amazing. Set it all up early. We got together and prayed, and then we prayed, and then we, like, it got really quiet. Like, we waited and waited. We were scared to death. Nobody was going to show up to the church. And then they started flowing through the doors. And I remember the excitement of, hey, people are coming. Like, people are actually coming. And I have to tell you this. Every Sunday when I come in, I watch you guys walk through the doors. I'm just so thankful in my heart that God continues to bring people through the doors of Mountain View Fellowship. It's just incredible. We've been uh, just enjoying that for 18 years. Now, if you started coming to the church, I just kind of want to get a gauge of this this morning. When you started, uh, if you started coming to the church, when we were meeting at that Strasburg Elementary School cafeteria, would you raise your hand? Oh, these are the old timers right here, man. These are old school. Um, yeah, they, they deserve applause because I'll tell you why. Uh, because, man, those were some rough years. Like, we, we were a set-up and tear-down church, and we would show up, and we had a tough shed out in the parking lot, and we had a, I had an old Bronco that had a trailer on it. We'd put all the gear in, in that trailer or in the shed, and every morning, whether it was snowing or whatever it was, we had to drag all that stuff into the building. We had to set it all up, all the staging, all the, the truss and the lifts and the lights and the 
projectors and the screens and the, the lights and the sound, all the sound equipment had to be brought in, microphones, everything. We had to set up 300 chairs. Uh, we had set up all the tables. I mean, it just went on forever. Uh, we set up all our children's department in the hallways because that's all we had. And we would wait for everybody to go through the hallways and go into the service. And then we would take pipe and drape and we'd slide and block off sections of the hallway. And that was our children's rooms. And you brought your kids to that. You're horrible parents. I just want you to know that. <laughs> but that's all we had, and that's what we did. And we were so thankful for the space. And the school was awesome to work with us. And it was amazing to me. Uh, we, we spent, get this, seven years doing that. And, I mean, seven years, week in and week out doing that. And, and during that time, our youth was actually meeting in that room at the bank every week. They had a little van that had all their equipment, and they had to set up and tear down every week. And we continued to do that. And, and uh, we were looking for a home. We knew we needed a home. And in March of 2009, we bought a piece of property with just over 38 acres. And uh, it's where we're at today, right? It looked a little bit different back then. And um, here's what was amazing. When we signed the note on that, I'll be honest with you, I was terrified. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how we're ever going to pay this off. Like, if we pay this off in 30 years, I'll be shot. I was scared to death, but we knew without a doubt the leadership was just like, nope, God has given us this land. We're taking it. And do you know in 16 months, we paid that entire thing off? It was amazing how God moves. Now, I say that because I want you to know that each step of the way, God keeps showing up. And this is the story for Mountain View Fellowship, and I hope it's the story for your life and your journey in faith with him, because here's what he does. He calls you to take a step, and it's always scary. Like, he hardly ever shows it to you. He just asks you to take the step, and when you take the step, you know that he's calling you to do it. You do it, and then he, he, then he moves and he provides, and this is the way he's worked all through this church. And, and then he's like, okay, now that you took that step, here's another, just one a little bit bigger for you. I want you to take this one. And when we do, he meets us in that, and he provides for it, and he continues to guide and direct as long as we continue to follow him. That's exactly the way he's worked all through the, the life of Mountain View Fellowship. Uh, we finally got to a place where we kept hitting the walls and, and we would die down. It was 280 chairs, I think, almost 300 chairs that we'd set up every week. And, but it we didn't have enough space, even with two services. And finally, we said, you know what? We got to keep growing. We got to figure out a way to keep growing. And uh, we weren't ready to build a facility yet. And so in uh, October 7th of 2012, our seventh year anniversary, we moved over to the Bennett High School and we started using their auditorium. And we began to meet in that auditorium. And you remember the chairs, they were fixed and very small because they're made for students. And uh, it, it was very uncomfortable. Your knees were right up against the person in front of you. And, and it was just, it was just what we had to do. Uh, now, if you started coming when we were at the Bennett High School, raise your hand. Okay, a few more there. Yeah, quite a few. This is awesome. Um, we had, we, we had uh, 480 seats there, and that allowed us to continue to grow, and we kept growing, and the, the school was amazing. Working with us, they, uh, we didn't have to set up as much stuff anymore because they had their own stage. They had their own lighting. They had you know, their own sound system, and, and it was projector and stuff was already there, so that was really nice, and, and they had a person assigned to us and that knew how to operate all that, and so she was there with us every week helping us out. It was just amazing, but the problem with that, uh, one of the biggest issues we ran into is they had a policy of no food and no drink in the auditorium. And uh, some of you are like, burrito, like, what? Because you know, that's kind of our DNA, right? We, we love our food around here. We like donuts and, and burritos and coffee and everything here. And, and some of you are enjoying that this morning. Well, that kind of cramped our style a little bit. We couldn't do that. Biggest problem with that, though, is we couldn't do communion within the, the 
that room. And so we had to get very creative on how we did communion uh, those weeks. Now, uh, we continued to grow. We were there for five and a half years. And then, of course, October 3rd, 2018 was our grand opening of this facility. And we moved in. And if you remember, that was a great, great day of knowing that we were getting a home finally after all of these years. And we moved into the MVF facility. We dedicated the building. And I'm going to talk more about that later, about that dedication prayer, because you're going to hear it. Uh, But we knew from 2005 all the way to today, 18 years, we've known what the vision was for the church. We knew what the mission was, what God was calling us to do, because each church has a specific mission, I believe, that God lays on our hearts. There are certain things that go across the board. Just every church is supposed to do these things, but there are certain things that other churches are called to do. Ours was very specific from the very beginning when we were meeting as a launch team in that little room. We knew without a doubt that something God had laid on our heart was to reach Eastern Colorado. That was our job. Like he gave that to us and we knew it as a launch team. And in that moment, we didn't know how that was going to happen. Like that seemed so massive and big and how in the world are we going to do that? And, and here we are 18 years later and we're seeing the, the ball roll. Like we're starting to see some movement in all of this. Years ago, we began to pray and fast through this. And I, I think God laid it on our hearts. We placed um, kind of a strategic plan. We laid it out. And that began to open up some doors. We began talking to people and and trying to figure out exactly how to do this. And and what we discovered is that we have nine strategic locations where we want to plant churches. And I don't know the dates. That's up to God. And he has been, uh, he's been opening some doors here over the last year or so. It's been amazing to me. Like we've made some presentations um, in different places. Yuma, uh, Lyman, we went out and made a presentation to a church there. You know, and and just to be bold and honest with you, I I just told them, hey, um, instead of closing your church, would you consider deeding the church to Mountain View Fellowship and allowing us to come in and start something new here? And a lot of that stuff has been going on, which most people aren't even aware of, and yet uh, we're just continuing to to look and search and see where God's going to open some doors for us because we know that our job is to reach eastern Colorado. Uh, Last year... I got up here on our 17th year anniversary. I love this, this uh, week every year because I get to share with you kind of the vision of what's happening. Last year, I told you that, you know, there, this vision and, and what we were doing and things we were working on and what we felt called to do, we had established some initiatives and one of them was to establish a Spanish-speaking service. We told you that that was something that, that we felt God was laying on our heart. And last year, that was like the early stages of it. Uh, we'd been praying about it and thinking through it and, and planning for two years up to that point. But we finally broke it to you last year and said, here's where we're going. This is what we're doing. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. But God has been moving in that. And of course, uh, one of the things that he laid on our heart several years ago was to open up a counseling center. And uh, we got into COVID. And when we hit COVID, it, it was almost like that got moved to the front burner because the need of our community was like screaming for, for this idea of counseling. They just needed help and especially some biblical counseling. And so we're excited about moving forward in that. And again, we'll talk more about that. Another thing I shared with you guys last year was uh, one of the things that we've been working on was a wellness center. And this wellness center, uh, we've been drawing up and trying to put some some space to it and everything else to figure out what that would look like. And, and uh, if you haven't heard about this, our wellness center, we wanted it to be the home of our counseling center, obviously, uh, for marriage and, and family counseling, for substance abuse and some financial counseling, all these different types of counseling. We want housed in this building. It's going to be a building that's going to be focused on your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual needs. And so all of those elements are going to be met in this building. As That was the idea behind the wellness center. 
Uh, we wanted a place for our AA and for our SA and life recovery and STEPS, all those recovery programs. We wanted classrooms where we could do tutoring, some ESL classes. We've been contacted by the schools about offering some things that are not being offered at the school. One in particular I shared with you that blew my mind was domestic violence training um, because they're seeing that among dating in high school. And so things like that have been brought to our attention. And so the need keeps, keeps going up and up and up. And so uh, we wanted some classrooms to be able to do that. Another thing that we wanted in this building was a food bank, provide clothing, provide groceries. And we wanted to do it a little bit differently where it's more like a supermarket where they can come in, they can get a grocery um, a cart and then go pick what they need so that we don't strip them of their dignity. And so we wanted to handle that a little bit differently. We wanted a full workout gym where you could come in and there's trainers available for you if you'd like. And, and uh, we wanted a meeting space and the whole center of it, we wanted to be this, we could, couldn't think of a better name, so we called it a connection pavilion or connection area. And it would just be an area that had a grill in there, you know, that could sell some cheap burgers or hot dogs and fries and coffee or whatever you need. And you could come in and get something and sit down, even after a service, go out with your friends and get something to eat and watch the TVs, watch the games on the TVs and continue to get this foster relationships. You might have heard that somewhere before, right? Fellowship. Uh, we wanted a, a full area in here that would be for uh, child care. So if you're coming in, uh, work out, or if you're coming in for counseling, there's child care available so that you can drop your kids off and know that they're going to be cared for while you're uh, getting the help that you need as well. And so um, I went through all this last year, and I, I told you guys last year, I asked the question, how is all of this going to happen? What's the, what's the only way that this can happen? You know, the answer to that has not changed in an entire year. Like the answer to how are we going to do this is together. We're going to do it together. That's, that's the way God has designed it. That's the way he set it up. That's how he moves in his church, by all of us engaging all of us growing together, us, us serving together, all of us giving together, whether it's spiritual needs, resources, finances, whatever it is, we, we engage together. We commit ourselves to the vision and the mission that God has given this particular body of believers. And when we buy into that and we're all in, then God begins to move in some mighty ways in that. Now, how do we do that? How do we live that out on a, on a personal basis? That was one of the questions we wrestled with back in 2014. Uh, we, we felt like we were a church that didn't have laser focus, like we were all over the place. People were going in 100 different directions, and we didn't feel like we were being effective at reaching people for Christ, uh, effective at pushing the kingdom forward. And so we began to pray about it. In 2014, God kind of showed us, hey, um, you, you're scattered like you're going in a hundred different directions and you're not focused. And so we begin to pray and fast. And through that, we established what we felt God was laying on our hearts as just a mandate is what we called it. The way that we live out the life of Christ here at Mountain View Fellowship. And if we all do it together, amazing things happen. Let me show this to you if you haven't heard it or if you haven't read it in the lobby, right? Our mandate is pointing people to Jesus. And I want to stop there for a minute because that's the whole idea. It's pointing people to Jesus. That's the goal. That's the mission. But how do we do that? And how do we do it in an effective way in eastern Colorado? We begin to look around and we realize that most of you moved in from metro areas and things like that. And you bought 40 acres. You put a fence up and um, you don't see anybody. You don't talk to anybody. You might wave at each other as you're going down the road, right? But you don't know each other's names. And no one was in any uh, authentic relationships, and so we were dying in isolation among other people. 
And so the way that we decided we could shine bright in this dark area was pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. By committing ourselves to connect with one another and and foster relationships and get to know each other. Uh, Relationships were held in a high priority by Jesus and and we said we need to hold them in in high, uh, high priority as well. They need to be important to us. Christ went out of his way to meet with people. To, to have conversations with people, and we need to do the same thing. And, and what we did when, uh, in 2018, when we got together and dedicated this building, we read through a prayer that pretty much said, this is what we're gonna do. And, and I'm gonna ask you again, at the end of this message, to commit to that again. Um, and, and the reason for that is because we need to know what we're about, we need to know what we're doing, and we can't just be halfway in. Because if we're only halfway in, it doesn't work. It ain't working. And so we want to fully commit to this. And if we're all doing it together, then I think God is going to do some amazing things. He's going to move in and through us to bring glory to his name and grow his kingdom. But it's important that we all buy into this vision because vision is critical. Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. The New American Standard Bible says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Some translations say the people are discouraged. We want to know where we're headed and what we're doing. Um, I grew up playing sports all the time, and, and if you were on a football team, it was important for you to know the play. If you were on the field playing football with a group of other people, it was important for you to know the play. Same in basketball, same in every sport. Can you imagine if you were on a football team and they called the play and you went up to the line of scrimmage and they handed you the ball and you begin to run the wrong direction, right? It just caused total chaos. Or nobody knows who to block and they're just running around. How effective are you going to be at achieving the mission or winning at the game? Could you imagine if somebody tried to do that in an NFL team, right? Uh, it seemed like the Broncos did that last week, but anyway. <laughs> The reason we like the game is we know the rules, we know how it's played, we know how you win at the game. And that's a stupid sports, a sports game. It's just a, a goofy game. Uh, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the church, when it comes to the body, the family of God, wouldn't it be important for us to understand how to win? What the play is so that we can play together, so that we can accomplish great things, uh, so God can use us to accomplish his will? I mean, it's amazing to me that we think about it in simple things as baseball and stuff, but we don't think about it in the important areas of our lives. That's why it ain't working. We need to be fully committed to it. Because whether you know it or not, there's an eternal spiritual game playing out right in front of us right now. There's a a game playing out for, for your soul, for the souls of your family, for the people that you work with, you go to school with, for your neighbors. Don't you want to know how to win at that? God loves each and every one of them. He sent his son to die for them. He desires a relationship with them. And you have the good news. And so often, we're not fully committed. We don't understand the mission. One of the things we kept talking about was, you know, if this idea of pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships, if everyone did this, what would happen? What would a big win look like for us? Like, what does it really look like to win at that? And... and, What we discovered is it's not just about reaching the lost, because when we launched the church, we said, yes, we're going to reach the lost, 
But there's more to it than that. Take a look at what we call the Great Commission. It's Matthew chapter 28. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and says this, teach his new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. We know that. If you've been in church at all, you've heard that a thousand times. And yet, so often, so many Christians, they think that once they receive Christ, they're done. And that's all they have to do. They got their fire insurance, they're good. Um, we've shared this with you a couple of times in the, in the past, but um, here at Mountain View Fellowship, we call that fat tadpoles. And that, that came from a goofy scientific study they did. They were, they were digging up a, a, a lake bed in, in Arizona. And they found because of the conditions and the water would come in, the lake would dry out and everything else are digging down in the mud. And they were finding these tadpoles in the mud that were a pound, two pounds each, big, massive tadpoles. They never developed. They never, they never transformed into the thing that they were supposed to be. And, and as Christians, so often we receive Christ and we're like, I'm done. And then we think that we're just going to kind of coast through life. And we, we don't think anything about the rest of the great commandment. That it's our job to share the gospel. Not only that, but, but to reach them with the gospel and baptize them. And then we baptize them. We enter into a lifelong covenant relationship of discipling them the rest of their lives. They become your spiritual children. I heard it said that a disciple is not a disciple until he multiplies himself. Let me say that again. A disciple is not a disciple until he multiplies himself. So here's the hard question. Have you multiplied yourself? So we need to know what the plan is. We need to know what the play is so that we can win. Because here's what we said was a big win. If everybody was pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships, we said a big win would be baptize people, baptizing people. We would see people reaching their, their friends, their family, their community, their coworkers, their schools with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they would get in the baptistry, they would baptize them themselves. This is the next layer to help us focus on the mission that God has for us. And so we, we ask these questions all the time, you know, your out relationship, right? Part of that fostering relationships is fostering an out relationship with somebody who doesn't know Christ. Who's, who's that person that you're called to share the gospel with? And then we ask this of everybody, um, who's your discipler and who are you discipling? That's in the scriptures. That's part of the great commandment. And yet we, we neglect it so often. But we can't do that any longer. Who is your discipler? And who are you discipling? You know, um, I've got pastor friends that, that pastor all across the United States. And I compare notes with them all the time. We talk about mission fields. And I've got some great, great friends that are pastors in the Bible Belt, right? Texas area. And one of the problems that they have is that everybody coming to the church has already been churched. They've heard it a thousand times. They've received Christ and they go to church on Sunday and they think they're good, but outside of church, it makes no difference in their life. And they're trying to get them to understand, look, you are not living the life that God has called you to live. One of the reasons why I love this mission field is we have so many people walking through the doors that have never been tainted by church. Doesn't that sound horrible? Like they don't know what to do. And so they come in and you share the gospel with them. And they receive Christ and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and they're on fire and they're like, teach me. I love that heart. I love that. I wish all of us had that. I just met with a lady a few weeks ago and she came in and she sat down with me and she said, I've received Christ. I'm serious. I want to get serious about my faith. I want to grow. Tell me what to do. 
And I just said, here's what you need to do. Find a lady that's further along in her faith than you and go and ask her, would you disciple me? Make it formal. Would you disciple with me? Would you meet with me once a week and let's talk through the Bible. Let's, let's, let's grow in Christ together and you teach me. Teach me what you've learned. And then I want you to find somebody else that's further behind you and either start sharing the gospel or start discipling them. And within a week, here's the killer. I love this. She goes, within a week, she calls me back and says, here's my discipler and here's who I'm discipling. Here's who I'm reaching. And I was like, I wish Christians would do that. If we would just read the word and do what the word says, this would be a different place. She was so hungry and she just went out and did it. And you, she, she's growing by leaps and bounds. It's incredible to watch her. Who's your discipler? Who are you discipling? Who's God called you to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, everything we do here is to achieve the mission. Everything we're doing is to help us win at this game. Um, it doesn't do us any, any good to, um, to put on a show, to put on an event if it doesn't help us achieve the mission. Uh, I was watching college football yesterday. Um, punter gets the ball and he punts the ball. And I mean, it was, it was massive. Talk about a leg, right? Massive boot. That sucker hung forever. The problem was it only went about 10 yards down the field, right? Uh, it's the same in baseball. You hit this towering shot. If the guy catches it on the warning track and it doesn't score any runs, does it do any good? No. And I think so often in churches, that's what we do. It, it's awesome. Let's, uh, yay. But it didn't help us achieve the mission. And we want to put everybody on mission. We want to we win at this game. I think Christ is looking for people that want to partner with his Holy Spirit in the work that he's already doing to win the world back to him. So here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start living this out. I want you to commit yourself today. Don't be half in. Don't be like the illustration, have your toe stuck in. Dive in and get into it. Fully commit yourself. And here's what I want you to do. I want you in this year to get wet. I want you to reach somebody with the, the gospel and I want you to get the baptistry and I want you to baptize them yourself. One of the greatest things that I love about this church, in the last two months, uh, two and a half months, we've baptized 27 people. And the majority of those people, yeah. But here, here's what's even better. Um, the majority of those people were baptized by you. They were baptized all of you. Uh, pastors didn't even have to get in the tub for most of those. It's amazing to me. Baptize people, baptizing people. It's a big, big win. And my question is, are you up for that in 2024? Can you commit to that? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that there is a real heaven? Okay, two people over here believe that there's a real heaven. <laughs> Let me ask again. This is that interactive part, right? Do you believe there's a heaven? Yes. Okay, do you believe there's a hell yes. where people who don't know Christ are sent? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus loves you and them and that he came and died, he rose again so that you could have eternal life with him? Yes or no? Let's live like that, okay? That should take front and center in our life. Every, everything we do in life should reflect that. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Christ is coming back. There's an urgency. That's why we called this a man date. There's a date that this will end. I want us to commit ourselves to the mission. I want us to live on mission every day. In the morning, God, what are we doing? What, what is your play and how am I going to play a role in that? Not, hey, God, I'm going to work. I hope you come with me today. 
But let's live on mission every day. And I, I want to teach you how to do that. Today, uh, it ain't working in the churches across America because most people are not fully committed. They're just dipping their toe or they're only half committed. And that scares me to death as a pastor. Because when I read the book of Revelation, Revelation starts off with seven letters to seven churches. And there's one in there that haunts. If you're, if you're a pastor that cares for your church, your people, um, this should scare you to death. But in this, um, they're calling out the problem with every church. And when they get to this church called Laodicea, this is what it says. Revelation chapter 3. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot because you are what? Lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It goes on to say, hey, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. You think you got it all figured out. You think you're sailing through life. You're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm. And because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but him spitting us out of his mouth does not sound like, hey, this is a good thing. Would you agree with that? I want to be hot. I want to be that church that's on fire for Jesus Christ. Um, Today, let me just tell you, uh, we announced a lot of that stuff last year, 2000, um, and I'm sorry, for our 17th year anniversary, and just within a year, because many of you were committed to this. And let me just stop and say this. I'm speaking kind of harshly with this this morning, but I have to say that there are people here at Mountain View Fellowship who are fully committed. You're fully committed. And I have to commend you for that. That excites me, that thrills me to no end, because this is what's happened over the last year. Because you were committed. Uh, We were able to launch a counseling center. And we've got several therapists already on staff. And not only that, but God stepped in and said, okay, because you're following me, let me do this. TBK donated this whole house to us so that we could have a home for our counseling center. I mean, that's incredible to me. Again, God's showing up and doing what he does best. And he continues to affirm that what we're doing is exactly what he desires. Uh, donated this house. And what's amazing to me is we're, we're doing some drawings right now. We want to remodel the inside. We want to make it look really nice and professional so that people can come in and get help. And, and uh, I had a guy approach me this last week and he says, here's what I want to do. I know this isn't close to help, you know, to finishing this job, but I at least want to start it. Here's a check for $5,000. And I want you, here's what he said. I want you to encourage people in the church to match that. See if they can match that. Because I know this is, this is going to be amazing for our community. Um, so we want to go in, we want to remodel this, and it's going to take some money to get that done. And I'm asking for your support. I'm asking you to be all in and committed to this. Um, last year, I shared with you, hey, we feel the need that God is calling us to start a Spanish-speaking uh, service within a year. Uh, you guys, if you were here last week, you got to hear Pastor Miguel preach. Uh, we, have a, we have a pastor of our Hispanic ministry now. And guess what? He last week was interviewing a worship pastor, a Spanish-speaking worship pastor out of Florida. We need to bring them on staff. We need to get this service launched. That takes funds. It takes a lot of work. We're asking you to be committed to support that. The Wellness Center, we want to do that. We we have phase two of this building that we want to build closer to the the main road to headlight here, that big old open field. We want a full worship center with a children's department. We want to remodel this building to be a youth center so that we can use it for youth programs all week long. I mean, uh, 
when I start talking about this stuff, it's so big and so grand, sometimes I, I feel like I'm just kind of shrinking down below it. But here's what I have to remind myself all the time, is that I serve a God that is a God of miracles. He can do anything, and he can do it when he wants to. And even though sometimes I feel overwhelmed by it, I just have to go, hey, I, I serve God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and all he has to do is butcher a couple more. And it's okay, because he can make more, right? This is what he does. And so we just need to follow him and engage with him and, and chase after him with everything that we have. And so I'm asking you this morning to fully commit to this vision. Engage. Engage with your prayers, engage financially, engage with your resources and your, and your knowledge and your skill. Um, one of the things that came up in our prayer time this last week, we were talking and, and we started talking about you know, this facility and then we met together. Um, and as we were talking together, we, somebody brought it up. They said, you know, it's amazing to know that God could, if he wanted to step in and he could pay this building off if he wanted. And I started thinking through that. I don't know if you know this or not. We don't talk about this a lot, but uh, the mortgage on this building is $26,000 a month. And I thought, man, if somebody paid that off, um, that money could be used in so many other ways. And what's amazing is I hear those stories all the time. I know God can do it. I know he can. We're just waiting and seeing what he's going to do. I feel like in moments like this, um, I always think back to Joshua, the book of Joshua. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, If you know the story, uh, the Israelites wandered in the desert. They come to the edge. They get ready to take the the promised land. Moses passes away, and he, he passes the baton of leadership off to a young man by the name of Joshua. Joshua is an amazing, godly leader, and he leads the nation of Israel into the promised land and all these battles. And toward the end, he calls the whole nation together. He gathers them all up, and he challenges them in this moment. He says, look, we are on the ledge right now. Like, we're here, we've taken over the promised land, and we have a decision to make. And this is what he says in chapter 24, verse 15. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Because I don't know if you know it or not, but you serve something. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Whether it's yourself, whether it's something, you serve something. He says, choose today. Because today is the day that matters. This is going to set the tone for the future. Would you prefer the God your, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And then he makes the statement, but as for me and my family, we will what? We will serve the Lord. What a statement, a stake in the ground, a a line in the sand. We choose today to serve the Lord. I feel like that's what today is. Like it ain't working if we're only half committed. We need to commit ourselves. Who, Who are we going to serve? Who's going to be the focal point of everything that we do? My question is this, will you commit? Will you commit to the vision and and to the the mission of Mountain View Fellowship, the the one that God has laid on our heart for 18 years. Will you be a part of that? Because so often we think of ourselves as separate from our church, and I want you to know, you know this, the church isn't a building, the church isn't me, the church is us, it's the people. If you're a part of this body, when we talk about the church, that's you. This has been passed to you, the vision and the mission, it's been passed on to you. Will you commit to it? Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray, do a dedication through prayer. And I want to read 
this dedication that we read when we came into this building. If you were here, you heard this, and maybe you don't remember it. Uh, But what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you would, just bow your heads with me. And I'm going to ask you just to listen to the words as I pray through this. And then at the end, if you accept this, if you commit yourself to this, I'm going to ask you to say in a loud voice, just amen with us, all right? So let me pray this prayer over us and see if you want to commit yourself to this. Father, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. As we look to the mountains, we see your greatness because you are great. As we look back over the past years, we can recall your provision and your faithfulness because you are faithful. As we look ahead to the future, we know our wildest dreams will be eclipsed by the reality you have planned because you are the architect of what will be. We are so grateful to be a small part of your works in this place. Thank you for including us. We, right here, right now, dedicate ourselves, this land, this building, this church, back to you and for your purposes. We pray that you will enable us to build a church that brings glory to your name, not according to our own plans or on our own strength, but on your word with Christ as the cornerstone. We dedicate our work, our hearts, and our vision to you. Prosper us so we can grow your work on the I-70 corridor. Provide above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus so that we can be a blessing in this area to those who are in need. May we build a church for all people from all backgrounds and all races. May this be a church of multiple generations working together, strengthening and learning from one another. May this be a place for the community where the broken are put back together, the sick are cared for, and those who are lonely find a family. May we never think of this place as ours. May we remember that the church is always the people and never just the building. May the dings in the walls, the stains in the carpet, the cracks in the tile come because we are sharing this space to introduce you to those who don't know you. Please guide us and bless our efforts as we declare, proclaim, and shout from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord, that no man comes to the Father except through your Son, Jesus Christ, and that you are building your church, and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's in your name that we pray, and if everyone in here committed to that, would you please say in a loud voice, amen.